0: Amen. If y'all can all bow your heads with me for a brief moment, let's pray and let's put this this service in God's hands. Amen. This message in God's hands because the service has been beautiful. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, in the mighty name of Jesus, Lord, we come to your presence this afternoon, Father. Father God, I ask you that you just speak to the heart, speak to the minds in this place this afternoon, Father God, in Jesus' name. Father God, I know that none of us here in this place came to hear words from some type of wise man or words that'll make us go, ooh and all, Father, but we all came here in this place, Father God, to hear the words that have been the same for thousands of years, Father God, that have been reconciling, that have been healing, that have been giving peace, that have been rebuking that spirit of depression, oppression, anxiety, Father God, that spirit, Father God, that's been restoring the lives of men, the lives of women, Father God, that's the voice that we came to hear this afternoon, Father God, and we ask you, yeah, you just shine in every heart in this place father speak to our souls speak to our minds father god we put this message in your hands father god in jesus mighty name we pray amen and amen thank you jesus amen glory to god as you take your seat turn to your neighbor shake their hand tell them god bless you thank you jesus amen it feels good to be in the house of god amen there's no place i'd rather be than in the house of god i really mean that 27 years ago The Lord Jesus Christ did a great miracle in my family's life. I was three and a half years old. My father was addicted to crack cocaine and alcohol. My mother, she's only about five foot four, but she was bitter. She was mean with her mouth. She would have cussed you out so bad that your grandma would jump in her grave. Amen. That's how bad my mom was with her mouth. But 27 years ago, brother and sister, a man from the home came knocking on our door and he told us about Jesus Christ. He told us, Do you, if you know anybody who's addicted, if you know anybody who needs to change, Jesus Christ can change your life. And my father at that time, he worked for the city of Houston and the city of Houston had already paid thousands of dollars. Back in 1991, they paid $15,000 for a two-week program and nothing could change him. N-A-A-A, AAA, nothing could change your brother and sister. But when he surrendered his life to Jesus Christ you know, that's what changed our lives. And I want to give honor and glory to God for that because our destiny, our lives, everything has been made new. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. With that being said, the Lord put a subject title on my heart. The title is Jesus Christ, our seed. Amen. Jesus Christ, our seed. I want to let you know something. When you got saved, brother and sister, the Lord put a seed in your life. Everybody here in this place, whether you're a pastor or not a pastor, whether you've been saved 20 years, 30 years, or whether you've been saved a week or two days, the day you got saved, Jesus Christ put a seed inside you, brother and sister. And the seed is called eternal life. This seed is called salvation. And God wants to nurture this seed. God wants to grow this seed inside of you. Because how many of us know that when you plant a seed, seeds produce something to eat, brother and sister. Seeds produce food. Seeds produce shade. Seed produces a crop, brother and sister. And God wants something to be produced in your life. Let's go to the Bible. Let's go to the book of John. John chapter 12, verse 20 through 26. The title is Jesus Christ, our seed. I want you to see something, brother. Look what the Bible says. John 12, 20 through 26. And the word of God says like this and there were certain greeks among them that came to worship at the feast now at this time jesus had just started his ministry brother and sister and the only people he was preaching to were the jews remember when that woman came with the demon-possessed daughter she wanted a miracle and jesus said it's not lawful for me to give the bread the bread of the children to the dogs jesus was just preaching to the jews but then brother and sister all of a sudden these greeks came and look what jesus says the same came therefore to philip which was at Bethsaida in Galilee and and desired him saying sir we would see Jesus so here's these Gentiles they want to see Jesus look what the Bible says Philip comes and tells Andrew and again Andrew and Philip tell Jesus and Jesus answered them saying the hour is come that the son of man should be glorified Truly, truly, I say to you, except the corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it stays alone. But if it dies, it brings forth much fruit. Brother, sister, Jesus is telling us, I'm the seed. Here comes these Gentiles, these Greeks. Look, you're seeing it before your eyes. I came to preach to you, but look, God didn't just send me to save you, the Jews. God also sent me to save everybody else. My hour has come. My time has come. I'm going to need to pay this price. I'm about to be crucified. Brother and sister, in this life, the only way that God can have his will in your life complete, the only way that you're going to see the work of God move in your life is when you die to the flesh, brother and sister. And in order to die to the flesh, you got to understand something. When you're dying, you're not just dying for yourself. Because there's a lot of people, brother and sister, that are so selfish nowadays. They're so self-centered nowadays, especially in the house of God. And that's something sad because Jesus Christ said, there's no greater love than this. than when somebody lays their life down for a friend, see in the Christian life, we've been called to lay our lives down for each other. Brother and sister, turn the other cheek, pray for those who persecute you, bless your enemies, give a glass of water to those who speak bad about you. That's what the Bible tells us. So Jesus is telling his disciples, look at these Greeks. Look at these people. Look, look how they're coming to salvation, and I need to die for this to happen. Look what else he tells them: He that loves his life shall lose it, and he who hates his life in this world shall keep it to eternal life. Look what else he says: If any serve me, let him follow me; where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my Father honor. We can leave it there, brother and sister. Jesus is saying, "I'm about to die." I'm about to be buried in the ground, but this seed that's gonna fall in the ground is gonna produce much fruit. Then he says, And if you wanna follow me, if you love me, then you need to die also. Brother and sister, as believers in the Lord, we need to continually, daily die to the flesh. As a husband, you need to continually, daily die to pride, to arrogance. Brother and sister, as a wife, you need to continually die to pride, to arrogance, to unforgiveness. As teenagers, as children, you need to continually die to that spirit of rebellion, to that spirit of disobedience. Because God wants to produce something in your life. God is saying, those who honor me, my father will honor them. Brother and sister, I don't know about you, but I want to be honored by God. I want God to move on my behalf. The Bible says that his righteousness goes before us and his, holy knows, his holiness is our rear guard. I want that, brother and sister. I want God to go ahead of me and prepare my path for me. And I want God's holiness to get my back. I want that, brother and sister. But we need to die to the flesh. We need to die to the flesh. Look what else the Bible says. Isaiah 53, verse 1 through 12. Look at this. This is why I named the preaching Jesus Christ our seed. Look what the Bible says. This is 700 years before Jesus Christ was even born on earth, brother and sister. I'm telling you, this is the will of God. The will of God is for us to die to the flesh. In order for God to do something in our lives, we need to surrender to God's will. We need to surrender our pride, our passions, our arrogance. Brother and sister, all carnality, surrender it to Jesus. And when it dies, brother and sister, if we can just stop hanging on to it for so long, when it dies, the blessing that it's going to produce in your life, brother and sister, is going to be amazing. The Bible says that our salvation is kind of like a woman in birth pains. See, my wife has had three children, and she's had them all naturally. I don't know how she does it. She's a very strong woman. But, brother and sister, the Bible says that our salvation is like a woman in birth pains. It's it's hurting. It's agonizing. It's the worst pain, brother and sister. Do you know that's what the word crucifixion means? That's where we get the word excruciating from crucifixion. It's a horrible pain, brother and sister. But then the word of God says that when the mother sees her child, she forgets about everything. Because of the blessing, the blessing of a life that is in front of her. Brother and sister, right now, your Christian life might seem painful. It might seem excruciating. It might seem worthless. Coming to church might seem worthless. Obeying God might seem worthless, useless, hopeless. But let me tell you something. When God produces that blessing and when you have that blessing in your hands, brother and sister, you're going to forget about all the hard days. But in order to reach that blessing, you need to hang on to that seed, brother and sister. Glory to God. In order to see that blessing, you need to hang on to that seed. Look what the Bible says, Isaiah 53, verse 1 through 12. The word of God says this, who has believed our report? Now, remember, this is 700 years before Jesus. Who has believed our report and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant. Speaking about Jesus, he's our seed. He's that little plant. He grew up, brother and sister, in Bethlehem. He grew up in the province of Judea. He grew up in a time, brother and sister, where there was corruption, perversion, where there was sin all over the place, where there was crime all over the place. I mean, we think it's bad now. Brother and sister, back in the day, they didn't have the Declaration of Independence. They didn't have the Constitution. They didn't have the Bill of Rights. And Jesus grew up around all this corruption and crime and evil and ungodliness. He grew up around all these things, brother and sister. And the Bible says that he grew up as a tender plant. God didn't make him a bamboo shoot tough. See, so many of us want to be tough in the kingdom of God. So many of us want to be an oak tree in the kingdom of God. So many of us want to be redwoods in the kingdom of God. We want to, we want to act tough in the kingdom of God. No, Jesus wasn't like that. The Bible says that he grew up as a tender shoot. You know what that means? He he let God mold him. He let God shape him. He let God move him. He said, I don't go where I want to go. I go where my father sends me. I don't say what I want to say. I say what my father sends me. Glory to God, brother and sister. That should be our ultimate desire, to be led by God, to speak what God wants us to speak. The Bible says, brother and sister, my ways are not your ways, says the Lord. My ways are higher, says the Lord. Man, God wants to do things in your life. I tell the church in Houston this, God wants to move in your life more than you want him to move in your life i mean god really wants to move in your life we just got to be obedient look what else the bible says for he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground you might think if only my situation was better if only my marriage was better oh this ground's too dry this ground's too dry oh man my job my job's too dry Oh man, this city, it's the city. The demonic strongholds in this city are just too powerful. And, and it's like the Prince of Persia. I, I know that my prayers ain't getting passed because there's a demon fighting my prayers somewhere. Man, this ground's too dry. No, the Bible says that Jesus grew up in dry ground. Jesus grew up in a dry ground. Brother and sister, my parents' marriage 27 years ago was a dry ground. My mother hated my father. My mother couldn't stand my father. My family was dry ground 27 years ago. My family was shattered. It was broken. It was destroyed. But right there, 27 years ago, God planted a seed in our lives. There's something about this seed, brother and sister. There's something about this seed. It doesn't need that much water. And it doesn't need to be planted in some good ground. When it's planted, brother and sister, it can start growing if you let it move in your life. God wants to start growing in your life. So he says, and as a root out of dry ground, he has no form, no comeliness. If only I can preach better. If only I knew the word of God better. Look what it says. He had no form, no comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. If only I can, if if only I can spoke better than, than God can, can use me a little bit better. If only I can spoke a little better. If only I had an education, if only I graduated from high school, then maybe. But I am i don't know how to speak. I'm not eloquent. I'm not wise enough. I'm not smart. Look at this seed. He's growing up in dry ground. He's growing up a delicate little flower. I mean, a delicate little plant, brother and sister, with all these big old monsters running around. There's nothing beautiful about him, there's nothing attractive about Jesus. Do you know that when Jesus would speak, read the Bible, read the Gospels, when Jesus would speak, he never used a $50 word. Never, brothers and sisters. He always used nothing but 50 cent words every time he preached. And he never gave these big old eloquent examples. He talked about birds and he talked about foxes and he talked about plants and he talked about coins. That's all he talked about. And look at the ministry that he has to this day. 2,000 years later, brother and sister, reaching all the way across the world. And And then look at the people he used. Look at the people he used. He didn't go choose some beautiful tulips, he didn't go choose some big old redwoods. He went, brother and sister, and chose the worst of the bunch. The 12 disciples were the worst of the bunch. I mean, the Bible says that when they would preach, the the Pharisees would even ask themselves, man, who are these people? Where did they get all this knowledge from? My knowledge comes from God. My anointing comes from God. Brother and sister, that's what happens when you let this seed grow in your heart. So don't feel, oh, I'm in dry ground. I can't do nothing. No, that's a lie from the devil. Oh, but I, you know, I just get attacked so much in my mind. If only I was a little, a little bit spiritually stronger, but I'm always getting attacked with anxiety, fear, doubts. But I know if I would just believe more, God would use me. No, God use a tender shoot, brother and sister. God can use you the way you are, God can use you. Just start moving in faith oh if only i can just have that mannerism of a preacher if only i can have that authority that a preacher needs brother and sister the bible says there was nothing beautiful about him there was nothing that would draw your attention to him god did that on purpose god disguised eternal life in a form that was not beautiful at all brother and sister you know why because god only wants people to come to jesus if they really love him brother and sister that's the only reason God only wants people to come to Jesus if they really want to obey his word. It'd be easy to come to Jesus if he was 10 foot tall, could bench press a thousand pounds and, and could snap his fingers anytime you wanted and do anything you wanted. It'd be easy to come to Jesus. Everybody would come to Jesus. But can you imagine if your savior was five foot seven, dark skinned, nappy beard, nappy hair? He, he didn't even talk good. He didn't even use big words. And then he, he came from a family of carpenters. And then he's coming around saying, my words are, are bread from heaven. Your father's ate manna, but this is the real manna. I'm the real manna from heaven. How, how can this be my savior? I'm taller than him. I'm stronger than him. I can talk better than him. But that's why we need to humble ourselves, brother and sister. That's what it means when you die. That's what it means when a seed go- goes in the ground and dies. You have to humble yourself. I can imagine Peter, man, Peter had a fishing business, a fishing industry, brother and sister. The Bible says he had several boats, several employees. And then here comes this self-employed with one employee, which was himself, Jesus, who probably only built one chair a day or maybe less than that, brother and sister. Here he comes and says, hey, follow me. Leave your business. Leave your wife. Come follow me. I'm going to lead you somewhere. I'm going to make you a fisherman of men. But you never fished before. How are you going to make me a fisherman of men? Look at the pride button that Jesus was pushing on Peter. He was the one with the fishing business. And Jesus knows exactly how to talk to him. Follow me. I'll make you a fisherman, a man. Peter, brother and sister, humbled himself to that voice of the Lord. And he followed Jesus. Brother and sister, in order to grow in Christ, we need to humble ourselves. Just like Jesus humbled himself bible says he left his glory he left his throne he left his splendor the bible says that he put himself in the hands of evil men he was mistreated he was abused he was spit on his beard was pulled out crown of thorns on his head spear in his side he was mocked he was laughed. oh prophesy now oh can't you save yourself now brother and sister he humbled himself his seed was broken but that's our savior and he left us an example let's keep reading book of isaiah 53 he is despised and rejected of men a man of sorrows and acquainted that means his friends that was his friend and acquainted with grief and we hid him and we hid as it were our faces from him he was despised and we esteemed him not brothers and sisters sometimes it can feel like what you have your salvation that good news that you're carrying around when you go and tell it to somebody, they're going to reject you. We esteemed him not. We hid our faces from him. Sometimes it's going to seem like your family members, your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers, it's going to seem like they hide their faces from you. Oh, man, here comes this person again. i going to talk about Jesus again. They're going to invite me to that living word church again, man. Don't they know I want to watch football on Sundays? Don't you know I got to cook some carnitas asada on Sundays? What's going on with these people? And they're going to try to ignore you. And you know what the devil tells us? You see? You're losing everything because of this. You see, nobody wants to talk to you because of this. You see, you're being rejected. Look at all the, look at the grief you're going through. Ain't this salvation supposed to bring you joy? Look at the grief you're going through. Look what else the Bible says. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. Even though he was rejected. Even though he didn't grow up in the best circumstances. Even though brother and sister people hit their faces from him. The Bible says that he still died for all those people. That's tough, church. After being rejected your whole life? After being pushed away your whole life? After being looked away looked off your whole life and then you got to die for those people? And then the Bible says that he was stricken by God. You know what another translation says? And he was crushed by god do you know where flower comes from it comes from when you crush a seed there's a story in the bible brother and sister when elijah he's hanging around some prophets right and the bible says that one of his disciples starts cooking some food and the bible says that he goes out to the field look at this i want you to see this this disciple represents you and i elijah represents god okay and the bible says that the disciple went out to the field and he didn't he didn't pay attention See, sometimes we don't pay attention. Sometimes we just do things in a dumb way, right? The Bible says he didn't pay attention, and he just grabbed some, something that looked like some th- cilantro. It just looked like some cilantro or some parsley. He just grabbed it, and he said, oh, man, this will be good, and he threw it in the soup. How many of us know that sometimes we're living life And we do something, we put something in our life, we make a wrong decision, we make an unwise decision, we speak the wrong way, we say something wrong. And look what happens. The Bible says that he served it, everybody. How many of us know that we can serve that to our marriages, we can serve that to our children, we can serve that to people who know us. And the Bible says that as soon as somebody tasted it, they said, oh, man of God, there's death in the soup. You know what Elijah said? Oh, man, hey, just throw some flour in it. The Bible says that he threw some flour in it. That flour represents Jesus Christ, brother and sister. He was our seed that was crushed by God, pounded into flour, and you grab them, You put them in your life. That's death, brother and sister. And the Bible says that everybody ate and nothing happened to them. It was delicious. Your life right now, brother and sister, could be death. Your life right now can be death because of a dumb decision, a wrong decision, an unwise decision, and it could have been our faults. But God is saying, if you grab my son, if you take my seat that I crushed on the cross for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul and you put him in your life. God is saying, man, I'll make your I'll make your life whole again. Brother and sister, that's our seed. Jesus Christ is our seed. He grew up tender. He was rejected. He was despised. He grew up in the worst type of ground. Let me tell you something. Even if you grow up in the worst type of neighborhoods, even if right now you might have the worst job, even if right now your marriage is on the rocks, hey, God has put a seed in your life. And this seed can grow right there where you're at. The seed that is inside of you is stronger than anything around you, brother and sister. The life that God has given you is stronger than anything around you. Let's keep reading. Look what the Bible says. Let's go to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 13, we just spoke about Jesus Christ, our seed, how he was tender, he grew up in a dry ground, he was rejected, there was nothing beautiful about him. You might look at your Christian life right now, brothers and sisters, this little wheat seed, this little wheat, and you might say, man, how can this give me eternal life? How can this little bitty seed right here move that mountain right there? How can this little bitty thing that Jesus gave me restore my marriage? I don't see it. There's nothing beautiful in a seed, brother and sister. That's why it needs to die. That's why it needs to die. Don't just hang on to your seed. If you just hang on to your seed, brother and sister, it's never going to produce nothing in your life. Let the seed die. Surrender yourself to Jesus. Apostle Paul said, I no longer live, but I'm jointly crucified with Christ. He he gave his life up, brother and sister. We have to let this seed fall on the ground and die. Don't hang on to it. It's never going to produce nothing if you hang on to it. Look what the Bible tells us in the book of Matthew, brother and sister. I want to tell you some ways that the devil wants to rob the blessing of God's seed in your life. We already know that Jesus was the seed of God. We already read how Jesus was the seed and he grew up and he died for us on the cross. Even though we rejected him, people rejected him, people pushed him away. But he still took our sin and our affliction on that cross. But the same way Jesus was a seed and he accomplished his ministry. Brother and sister, there is a seed inside of you and God wants its ministry to be accomplished. Okay? But look what happens. Matthew 13, 36 through 42. There's a parable that Jesus is saying. And he says that there's a field of a rich man. This rich man is God. And the Bible says that his servants, these servants are angels, okay? And the field is the world. But let's call the field right now the church, okay? Even though this parable is the world, but let's call it the church. So God is the rich man. The servants are the angels. The field is the house of God. And the Bible says, brothers and sisters, that this rich man planted wheat, But the Bible says that when the servants fell asleep, the Bible says that the enemy came in and planted weed, brother and sister. He planted terror. He planted something that was going to grow in the rich man's property. It was going to take life, take nutrients from the soil, but it was never going to produce life. Do you know that there's people that you're going to bump into sometimes that are going to be right next to you? they're going to be in the same soil that you're planted in. But they're never going to want to do anything for the kingdom of God. And they're never going to want to tell you something that's going to help your marriage get better. That's going to help you grow in Christ. That's going to help you grow in faith. No, no, no. They just want to be here. Be in that place that you're planted in. You're trying to get something from God. And the devil's going to plant right next to you. And all they're going to do is take life. They're never going to try to produce anything. So Jesus is saying this parable, brother and sister, look what he says in the book of Matthew 13. He explains the parable to the disciples. He says this, then Jesus sent the multitude away. See, because this parable, this explanation is not for everybody. It's for those, brother and sister, who really want to grow in Christ. The multitude heard the parable, but he didn't tell the parable's meaning to the multitude. He's only telling it to his disciples, brother and sister. Look at this. Then Jesus sent the multitude away. And went into the house and his disciples came to him saying, Declare to us the parable of the tares of the field. Look what Jesus says. He answered and said to them, He that sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom. That's us. But the tares are the children of the wicked one. The enemy that sold them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world. And the reapers are the angels. As therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be in the end of this world. The son of man shall send forth his angels. They shall gather us out of his kingdom and all things offend. They shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and of them which have iniquity. Look at this. And shall cast them into a furnace of fire. There shall be the wailing and gnashing of teeth. Brother and sister, God is telling us this. Look, I know that sometimes you're going to bump into people that all they're going to want to do is take life. He's saying, don't let them affect you. Brother and sister, there's going to be people sometimes. Glory to God. There's going to be people sometimes, brother and sister, that all they're going to do, instead of speaking faith, they're going to speak death, brother and sister. Instead of speaking encouragement, they're just going to speak depression. They're just going to speak intrigue. They're just going to speak doubt. They're never going to say something that's going to glorify God. God is saying, don't worry. You keep growing. You keep growing. You keep letting that seed grow in your life. God is saying, I know who is who. And sometimes we can feel like this. Sometimes we can feel, man, how come God doesn't do something? How come God doesn't judge this person? Hey, that's none of your business. Hold them up right there. Relax, relax. God is saying, I know who they are. And I might even let them grow right next to you to see what your heart really desires. I even might let them grow right there next to you and say those things to see what you're going to say. Brother and sister, God knows those people are there. God lets them come in the house. I remember I read a scripture in the Old Testament in the book of Leviticus. And I just, boom, it just hit me because I remember I have a friend, right? He was telling me, hey, one time my wife and me were walking in the mall and this lady came and, and, and she said that she was like a fortune teller lady. And she said, she said, hey, your grandma has a message for you. And she didn't know that my grandma had died. And she said, your grandma has a message for you. She says that she loves you. She likes your dog. She says your dog is cute. And she says that your husband is no good for you. And, and, and my friend was like how did this lady doesn't know us we're in another city how does she know we have a dog how does she know my grandma passed away and how does she know that that was my husband and i was like i mean yeah that's the devil right but how does she know all those things you know I, i was like a little bit i just said well that's the devil i don't know you know she was accurate but that's the devil but then i read this scripture in the old testament i said thank you lord the bible says in the old testament that if someone ever tells you a prophecy and it comes to pass. Now, it's not a fortune. It's a prophecy. The Bible says somebody ever prophesies and it happens. But then after their prophecy happens, they tell you, come, let's serve other gods. The Bible says that is God allowing them to have an accurate prophecy. And then God is allowing them to tell you, hey, let's go serve other gods. God wants to see, are you in it for the hype or are you in it for him? When I read that scripture, I was like, wow, God will let people accurately prophesy something so you can be, okay, that's right. And then right after that, they'll try to pull you away from Jesus. And God wants to see, are you in it for just the prophecies or are you in it for me? Because I'll let people prophesy right things in your life. But then if they try to pull you away from my path, if they try to pull you away from my holiness, God says, I want to see what what you're going to go after. Are you going to go after the good words or are you going to go after me? Brother and sister, in this life, in this life, God is going to let certain people be around you, come around you. He's going to let certain people say things around you. When my father was in the home 27 years ago, he was in the home, brother and sister, with 70 men back in the day. 70 men. Right now, him and about three other people are the only ones that are saved. God is going to have a lot of people around you. You're going to see a lot of people come around you. But you know what my advice is? You know what God's desire is? Don't let them pull you out of your ground. You keep letting God grow your spiritual life. God wants to do something in your marriage. God wants to do something in your children. Let me tell you something. I don't know how many people right here in this place have children, especially small children. The devil's after you. The devil wants to destroy you if you have small children. You know who they are? They're your seeds too. The same way Jesus was a seed and God glorified him and we have a seed and God wants us to follow him. Okay. But at the same time, your children, they're seeds too. The Bible says that children are an inheritance from the Lord. And the Bible says, why does God want godly marriages? The Bible says so that it can produce godly offspring. Your children, the devil's after them. And the devil wants to attack you, man of God. The devil wants to attack you, woman of God. The devil wants to distract you with sin. The devil wants to distract you with doubt. The devil wants to deceive you with bitterness, with hatred, with unforgiveness, with evil thinking. He wants to distract you. He wants to pull you away because he knows if I can get them, I can get those little kids too. Brother and sister, take care of your seed. If you're a husband in this place, take care of your seed. Wife, take care of your seed. Church, take care of your seed. You got to see this place like, man, this is my church. This is the house where God has put me. This is my family. This is, this is where God has placed me. I need to take care of this ground. Because the devil's going to come, brother and sister. He's going to plant his people. He's going to plant his terrors. But God is saying, hey, I know who they are. You keep doing right, man. You keep showing love, man. You keep loving me with all your heart, mind, and strength. You keep loving your neighbor as yourself. I know who they are. Brother and sister, one way the devil's going to try to rob you from growing your seed is by placing people around you who are going to be nothing but takers. They're never going to give. They're always just going to be takers. The devil's going to try to rob your seed like that. The second way, brother and sister, I'm not going to read this scripture, but it's in the book of Luke chapter 12. In the book of Luke chapter 12, brother and sister, God tells us the story of a rich man. So one way is when he places negative people around you who are going to speak death and speak doubt. They're just going to try to take. But another way brother and sister, that the devil's going to try to rob your blessing. Book of Luke chapter 12 speaks about a rich man. And this man knew how to grow seed. Man, he was growing seed. He was growing seed at a rapid rate. The Bible says that he had huge storehouses. And the Bible says that one day this man, brother and sister, got comfortable. And he got too excited. And he said, man, what am I going to do, man? My money's just stacking all the way up to the ceiling, man. What am I going to do with all this? He said, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to tear down my storehouses. And I'm going to build some brand new ones and I'm going to stack those up and then I'm going to relax. And then I'm going to say, hey, self, he was speaking to himself. He was making a movie, brother, sister. He said, self, relax because you have plentiful goods and just enjoy your life. He says, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. The Bible says that here the voice from heaven say, you fool. Because you did not say God willing. Today, your life is going to be required of you. And who's going to stay with everything you stocked up? Brother and sister, the second way that the devil wants to rob your seed is by making you become selfish, brother and sister. If the devil can make you become selfish when it's about your hurts. Now, don't get me wrong. God cares about your hurts. That's not what I'm saying. But when you make it just about your hurts and your bitterness and the things that you've gone through, brother and sister, you don't even know it. But the devil's making you store up nothing but anger and hatred and bitterness. And while we're storing all that up, brother and sister, there can be somebody right next to us who just needs to hear a good word from God. But we're too wrapped up in ourselves that we don't give it to him. We don't speak it. When my mom came to the Lord, she was so depressed so anxious, filled with anxiety and depression. She remembers that one day she went to a woman's service out of town. And there was these women who, their husbands, they were all serving in the church. My father was still in the home, just, just getting off of drugs. And my mother hears these women speaking, and she hears them say this. They say, oh, man, let's pretend the man's name was Richie. Oh, man, Richie. Richie's always at church with the pastor, man. Richie's always serving in the church. Man, I wish Richie could just take a break and just relax with me and the family sometime. Man, Richie's always at church. I wish, I wish he, could, he could stop going to church so much. My mother became so angry. She said, you need to be quiet. She, she was barely saved a couple weeks. She said, you don't even know what you're talking about. She's saying, I wish that my husband could be in the church 24-7. As a matter of fact, I'll let him be in the church 24-7. I wish that my kids would just have a dad that's saved and not on drugs. brother and sister. sometimes we can become so selfish. The devil just wraps us up in ourselves. No, you know what Jesus said? Jesus said, look up. Stop looking down. Stop looking at your sorrows, your woes. Jesus said, look up. The harvest is ready. The harvest is ready. All God is waiting for is workers. That's it. Brother and sister, look next to you right now. Look next to you. That's a lot of workers right there, brother and sister. The harvest is ready. But if we're just looking down at the ground, we're never going to see the harvest. If we're just looking down at what's going wrong, we're never going to see what God wants to do in our life. Church, God has planted a seed inside of you, and He wants to grow it. And it's gonna bless your life. Look at this. We're gonna close with this scripture, brother and sister. So Jesus is our seed, and he grew, he was tender, he grew up in dry ground. The Bible says that God has placed a seed in us, brother and sister. The devil wants to distract you by making you become selfish. The devil wants to distract you, brother and sister, by planting tears next to you, but God knows who they are. You keep doing what you're doing. But look at this. I want to read 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23 through 25 brother and sister first peter chapter 1 verse 23 through 25 look what the bible says being born again i want to let you know something do not fear that this seed is not going to accomplish what god has sent it to accomplish don't fear that people saying i don't know if i can live this christian life i don't know if i can make it i don't know if i can endure i don't know if i have what it takes let me tell you something I play a little bit of basketball. I used to play a lot of basketball. Now I just play a little bit of basketball. But if you've ever played any sports, you know that this body starts breaking down, brother and sister. You know when you were young, you, you could play and you didn't even need to stretch, nothing. You'd wake up, and go to school the next day. You wouldn't feel sore at all, right? Today you might play soccer, basketball, baseball. You wake up the next day, you could barely, you're bent like a pretzel, right? Our body gives out on us. But our spiritual man, the Bible says this, even though our carnal man day by day is wasting away, the Bible says, but our spiritual man day by day is being renewed. You know something beautiful? Something beautiful about the Christian life? Can you imagine that you've been playing basketball for 60 years or soccer or baseball for 60 years or football for 60 years and you stay young? Man, you'd become like the best athlete ever. But it's not like that. But do you know that the Christian life is the only life that you can get better as the older you get, brother sister? You don't have to slow down the older you get. No. So many people, the longer they stay in the things of God, their fire dies. No, that's a lie from the devil, brother and sister. Don't be like that. Don't let the devil deceive you. No, man, we should get more excited. Man, God's been, God's been working in my life these past five, ten years. Oh, man, I'm excited, man. God's about to do something great in my life. Man, I've been serving God all these years. He's about to do something great in my life. The devil wants to distract his children. But look what the Bible says. Verse 23 to 25. Being born again out of corruptible seed. God is telling you, this seed that he's placing you is not going to perish. You haven't been born of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which lives and stays forever. Remember, this seed can grow in dry ground. This seed can be tender. But it can grow up in the harshest of environments. This seed can be rejected, be turned away. But God can still use it for something great and mighty in your life, brother and sister. Look what it says. For all flesh is as grass and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass wither and the flower thereof falls away. But the word of the Lord endures forever forever. And this is the word by which the gospel is preached to you. Brother and sisters, the Bible is saying, you look at the trees, you look at the plants, you look at any other seed, it grows, but then it dies. But the Bible is saying, but the seed that I have planted in you, it's never going to pass. It's going to continually grow in your life. Let's all bow our heads in this place, church. Every head bowed. I want to invite you. If you're here in this place and you've heard these words, the Bible says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, the Bible says you shall be saved. There's somebody in this place this morning planting seed. He's throwing seed around. His name is Jesus. And he wants his seed to fall in your heart. You might say, man, but my heart's bad. It's full of sin. It's full of backsliding. Let me tell you something. Jesus grew in dry ground. You might say, nah, but no, my there's nothing about me that could change. No, the Bible says that he was despised. There is nothing beautiful about him. You might say, there's nothing good about me that God can use. My life's too bad. I'm full of backsliding and sin. Let me tell you something, brother and sister. Jesus Christ is spreading his seed in this place this afternoon. If that's you. Even though your ground is cracked, even though your, your life might seem rejectable, detestable, he is giving you a seed this afternoon. If that's you, if you would like to receive the Lord Jesus in your heart as your Lord and your Savior, I'm going to invite you to repeat a prayer after me. Say, Father God, I come to your presence in the name of Jesus. Lord, I ask you to forgive me for all my sins and all my faults. Jesus, make me new. Give me the strength to live for you the same way you died for me. I accept you in my life as my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Let's keep our heads about church. Let me pray for y'all. Father God, in the mighty name of Jesus, Lord, I come to your presence this afternoon. Lord, I thank you for all your children here in this place. Lord, I thank you for the leadership in this place, Father. Lord, I thank you for this church and this city and this town. Father God, I thank you because this church is a seed. These people are seeds. Father God, I thank you, Father God. Because even though people might reject it, push it away, look it over, Father God. Father God, you're going to do something great out of these lives. You're going to do something great out of this ministry. You're going to do something great out of this church, Father God. Lord, I ask you for strength. I ask you for encouragement in every life in this place, Father, in Jesus' mighty name. Father God, I ask you that you raise our heads up, that you raise our vision up, Father God. For we can look, Father God, to the harvest. The harvest is ready, Father God. Raise our eyes up, Lord. The harvest is plentiful, Father. I ask you that you let us have our eyes on the harvest. I ask you that you strengthen us, that you encourage us every single day, Father God. That your Holy Spirit always remind us that the word that you've placed in our lives is incorruptible. I thank you, Father God, in Jesus' mighty name.